This is Radio Ragnarok, and I'm your host, Toby Jenkins.
This is a public service broadcast going out on all modulated signals, analog, digital and quantum within 10 kilometers of this COS outpost. The outpost ID is RR171011 and the outpost operator is me, Toby Jenkins. The outpost coordinates can be obtained with this signal. The outpost is equipped with provisions and medical supplies and has a security rating of 22.232%. The doors are open to the light. The sun is on the horizon. Calamity. Noun. A more than commonly plain and unmistakable reminder that the affairs of this life are not of our own ordering. Calamities are of two kinds. Misfortune to ourselves and good fortune to others. I wasn't sure why I decided to go to that particular coffee shop on that particular day. Uh, in part I think it was because it was French and you know, since Hitler had decided that he liked the sound of France I hadn't been able to enjoy a real French croissant. I wasn't penniless but just about. Friday night of a weekend pass is usually the most expensive, you know. Yeah, well, it was a quaint little place, uh, a kind frequented by young couples these days, although in the days of the war, couples were quite a bit older. It was run by a fat old French bird by the name of Madame Fromage. Quite literally, Lady Cheese. Whether that was her name or not, I'll never know, but... Her cheese croissants were an ideal breakfast for a young infantryman who had had a little too much of London's ale the night before. So I remember walking in, sitting down near the entrance beside the cafe's signature rosebush and promptly ordering a cup of coffee. It was spring uh, and a beautifully clear day, so naturally the glare was pounding my fragile brain like a prize fighter. However, I had decided that I would triumph over it, and so I stood my ground and forced the headache to the back of my mind. Unfortunately, the back of my mind was also unhappy with my activities the previous night, and so it promptly issued its protest by forcing the headache forward. And then I saw her. You know, a beautiful woman has the strangest effect on young men. I mean, we can be brutally wounded, terribly embarrassed, or even horror of horrors, completely focused on something else entirely. And that the smile of a beautiful woman erases all of that from our minds. Even if it's only for a moment, it happens. And she smiled at me. Thankfully, I had the presence of mind and the force of will to smile back. It was exquisite. The moment, not necessarily my smile. Quite, quite frankly, my stomach had lurched suddenly and so I wasn't entirely sure if I had smiled or grimaced. I like to believe it wasn't the latter. She was wearing a red dress, right? With white polka dots, completely out of place when one considers that this was England in September of 1940. But 
It was a sight to behold. Her nut brown hair fell so elegantly over her shoulders and her brown eyes seemed to look at the world as if it were a playground. And that dress, oh, it completed a vision so magnificently stunning and so elegantly gentle that I struggled to stop my mouth from catching flies. Of course, she went inside and left me in quite a spot of bother. I wasn't sure if the woman I had just seen was real, so I followed her. Yeah, and completely forgetting about the waiter who had just hurried up to me with a cup of hot coffee and proceeded, you know, I proceeded into the cafe. Sure enough, she was there. She was real enough and currently ordering from a petite French girl who resembled the madam. Uh, from what I could tell, she was English and apparently oblivious to the dark nature of the political climate at the time. I finally noticed my waiter, he had politely coughed <clears throat> to note the fact that he had followed me inside. I had to sit down. Uh, now, the table directly in front of the one that she was sitting at was vacant, so I chose that one. It seemed like a good idea, but it presented another quandary to my still foggy mind. If I chose the seat facing her, I would risk ogling her at every conceivable moment, and that was a terrible thought. However, if I sat facing away from her, I wouldn't see her at all. The latter was my choice, but only because a thought had occurred to me. So I sat down, took my coffee, and ordered a cheese croissant, and I pulled out my notebook and a pencil, and I wrote two words quite boldly on a blank page. Beautiful smile. I leaned back in my seat and on the pretense of examining my handiwork, holding the notebook up, leaned just enough to be read over my shoulder. I heard a laugh from behind me. <laughs> I had no way to be sure if it had been due to the note or due to a curious thought that had, that, you know, had occurred to her, just on her own. And she seemed to be of such a sunny disposition that I wouldn't have put it past her to live in a world completely removed from this one. A world of her own where the most curiously wonderful things occur and at which one could do nothing but enjoy a giggle. If she had indeed laughed at the note, and she thought it sweet or pathetic, I confess that the tumult that this caused in my stomach did not help my already present nausea. She walked past me, apparently on the way to um, powder her nose, and left a serviette on my table. Mm -hmm. Not so bad yourself. And that's what he said, is it? Not so bad yourself. Oh, four words. I only wrote two. And I got four. Oh, it was a fantastic boon to my spirits, which were instantly crushed when I realised that I had no idea what I would say next. She came back. 
I averted her eyes for God knows what reason and sat staring at another empty page. The petite waitress shuffled past with a slice of lemon tart. Dessert? For breakfast? This woman was surely one of a kind. But my time was running out. I had to say something fast, lest she grow tired of this game and consider it too trivial to entertain any longer. N-A-M-E Question mark Name? It was crude and oafish and I had panicked. She said nothing, gave no indication that she had even noticed. Perhaps the lemon tart was so delectable that she had been momentarily distracted by the sheer joy of enjoying such a singular breakfast. I had to know. I decided I needed a cigarette. There were no ashtrays that I could see, so I decided that I had to step outside for a moment. I glanced as casually and discreetly as I could over to her table. L. I. Z. Liz. Liz. I cannot believe speaking not great, but Liz. Elizabeth. Oh, Liz. She had it. She had written it in toothpicks, arranging them on the corner of her table. Oh, I felt like dancing a jig right there, on the spot. But instead, I continued on my journey to the door. I rolled and lit the smoke, and looking up to the heavens and thanking them for such luck. Oh, Big Ben said it was a quarter to twelve, and I was late for luncheon with my father. Suddenly, I was cursing the heavens for such awful luck. I was so close to an actual conversation with an angel, only to be thwarted by prior engagements. I picked a rose, and it was all I could think to do. That it was red, and therefore confessing ardent and undying love, would, I hope, be overlooked in favour of a hopeful confession of attraction. I scribbled the address of where I was stationed and coupled it with, with a request for correspondence. And when I entered the cafe once again, she was nowhere to be found. But, 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 her lemon tart was only half eaten. And so I placed the rose and the note beside it and left. When I related the story to my father over a plate of bangers and mash, he called me a fool and asked why I'd come at all. Until that point, I thought I'd knew him. He'd always been a man of sensibility and decorum, as professors are expected to be. But he said something that I have yet to forget. My dear boy, in love and in war, an old man will have regrets. But the one regret a man will hold above all others is the battle in which he ran away. And that afternoon, the Luftwaffe descended on London. The blitz had begun, and Lady Fromage's cafe did not survive the bombing. 
and I never saw that red polka dot dress again. Cannibal. Noun. A gastronome of the old school who preserves the simple tastes and adheres to the natural diet of the pre-pork period. People are strange. Life is strange because life is lived with people. Loads of people. The planet is teeming with us. There are now so many monkeys and shoes crawling over the surface of this little space rock, and each of them has their own thoughts, wants, needs, perspectives, and personalities. Seven and a bit billion humans, all trying to make sense of what it means to share this moat in the Milky Way with everyone else. There's beauty in this chaos. Or in the notion that, in spite of the seeming madness that collective free will brings, we are still here. I guess we owe our apparent success and survival to the nature of our brains. But it's also, I think, due to the thoughts we don't have, the things we do without thinking. Our draw to form communities, keeping us from the sheer terror of truly going it alone. The world is still terrifyingly big, after all. And yet we still find other people wherever we go. Not only do we find them, but we relate to them. We find common ground. Given enough time, any collection of random humans will form a collective. Life is always best lived with others. It is torture to be truly alone. This is why it is both impressive and appalling that we are capable of such violence and hatred. Equally fascinating is the lengths to which humans will go to engender, justify, and perpetuate that violence and hatred. The mechanisms by which they function are all natural, evolutionary advantages that are becoming more and more obsolete. Violence and hatred although sadly still relevant, are now officially outdated bits of our operating system. We are moving, 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 almost imperceptibly forward toward an age where violence and hatred are no longer profitable and therefore no longer a viable means by which to secure power. It's inevitable. The system we have built around exchanging pain and suffering is steadily crumbling, and fewer people than ever are interested in maintaining a, such a contrary-wise way of doing things. At some point, all of what we accept to be true of how the world works will come crashing down under the cumulative weight of our newfound connectivity. The ensuing maelstrom will require those who endure to suffer and survive. But survive we will, because we will be drawn together. It is inescapable.
see history may be written by the victors. But evolution is the story of those that survive. Congratulations. Noun, the civility of envy. This episode of Radio Ragnarok featured She Smiled at Me by Your Nomad Soul and read by the author. It also featured the songs On the Curious Creatures Called People by Your Nomad Soul and Musa by Lesasso. There were also excerpts from The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Beers, read by Your Nomad Soul. And all content in this podcast is public domain, with the exception of Musa by Lesasso, which is used here under the Arte Libre license. Thank you for listening, and be safe out there. This is Toby Jenkins, signing off.